Welcome back to the Opinionated Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Crouch, and today I'm joined once again by my buddy, Shandon. How's it going? It's going, buddy. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm really tired. I'm normally not up this early, honestly, even though like I have work normally from, uh, from 8 till 4 most days. That doesn't mean that I actually wake up because, you know, for the most part, I'm uh, working from home, and uh, in all honesty... Uh, my job's really easy, so I just sleep in a lot of the time. Consider yourself very special. Oh, 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 and it's my birthday. I got up nice and early for you on my birthday. Hell yeah. Thank you for oh. giving giving me your presence on your birthday. <laughs> yeah, right? That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, you're so privileged right now. Yeah, uh, so I guess we're just going to special birthday episode. What a, what a great time to have you on. Yeah, right? See, I mean, that was the whole thing when you were trying to make out the schedule on when we were going to do this. It's like, I, I planned this, right? I mean, what's what's more special and what's more of a gift to me than, than showing up on your podcast, buddy? You know? Exactly. We're going to have to breathe some life back into this because uh, you haven't uploaded in a while and uh, and you desperately need to get something out there. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong, but like I said in previous episodes, uh, time and life and you know. No, it's it's difficult. Trust me. I mean, I mean, like, part of us even trying to do this, just getting this one little time slot for us to talk about, you know, today's thing, which is just movies. You know, it's like it was so difficult because I'm busy, even though half the time I'm really not. It's just there's so many things that pull you in different directions, and you just have to put your time into different things. It's like it's just difficult. Hey, I mean, I've got time today. It was funny because my mother actually woke me up today along with my brother, and they were like, do you want to go to the casino today? And I'm like, mm, no, I'm good. Thanks, though. I like being at home, and uh, and now we can finally do this episode, so I'm pretty happy about that. So, Yeah, well, as he said before, um, we're going to be talking about another top five movies. Originally... Shandon was going to appear on the first episode, but once once again, time schedules didn't line up. I guess I'm just going to continue my top five list that I had in there, but at that point in time, my favorite movie, which is my favorite movie now, basically, wasn't my f- favorite movie when I recorded that episode. So I'm going to retroactively change that while... Naming oh, I my see. Okay, so yeah, yeah, it's it's basically like you just going through and updating what's yours and. Uh, well, for, okay. for the most part, yes, um, because I've I've kind of given it a little bit more thought, but these are, like, m- different movies. No, 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 I can I completely understand. It's fine. When I made my list, I thought long and hard about the things that were important to me. So it's like, I feel like you'll be surprised by one of my choices on here. Honestly. It will actually be the first one that I talk about, but you know I, I'm I'm excited to get right into this. I'll go ahead and start us off by saying uh, that in terms of ranking, this is what I would put in like my my fifth favorite, right? So obviously it's not like the top or anything, but it's something that you know I thought long and hard about because I've seen so many movies, 
as time has gone on, I've kind of, I've actually kind of realized that maybe I haven't seen as many movies as as I would like to say that would basically qualify me as a movie buff. But I still have an appreciation for films, and there's a lot of them that I have seen that I'm never going to forget, right? But that's really what makes a good movie to me. It's something that's unforgettable. Exactly. And it's not just like it's not just something where it's like, you know, you remember the experience, but it's like you remember details from it, you know? With that being said, it's like for me, I grew up watching so many films, you know, kids' cartoon films, you know, like uh fucking Finding Nemo and all this other sort of shit, you know, Spider Man, etc. And I mean, even though that's not really a cartoon, it's just there are so many things as a child that you get exposed to. And sometimes it's really hard to pay attention to it because it all blurs together. But sometimes there's things that stick out maybe just through like just through your memory of like, you know, you enjoying it back then or like maybe you actually understood it and you appreciate it. But one thing that's always resonated with me, one movie, and, and this is why I'm placing it here, Monsters Incorporated. I shit you not, Pixar films are usually really well made. Uh, like the Incredibles, for example, is like a fantastic movie. Yeah. You know, at least the first one. I didn't really mind the second one, but they have a good, a good list of movies underneath their belt that you know just are critically acclaimed and lots of people actually enjoy it. Right. The thing is with Monsters Inc. is when uh, when I watched that movie way back then, I appreciated it because I thought it was funny and I thought it was a good story, even as a kid, because it's like when it came out at that time. <laughs> I didn't really understand it, like, completely, because, you know, it's like, you're not developed, you don't have, like, full comprehensive feelings, it's like, you don't get the sentimental value that Sully might hold towards, you know, Boo or whatever, you don't understand why he cares so much, or, like, what the emotion is there for, it's like, you can recognize it, but you don't really feel it. As a kid, I enjoyed the film because it was funny to watch, it was bright and vibrant, it was very unique. But it's like as you get older, it's one of those things where and, – and this is another quality too about like uh, kids' films or even TV shows that I feel like makes a good film or TV show. Is if it's able to actually intrigue both an adult audience and a kid audience, you know? Yeah. And so children will watch the film like me at the time. And appreciate it for what they're seeing on screen. It has enough going on for kids to stay interested and care about it. But at the same time, it's like I watched it when I was growing up like countless times. I mean, I watched it when I was like 8, 12, 15. And then like it's been a while since I have seen it. But I mean, like I remember what it's all about. I remember all of the scenes and, you know, growing up and watching it, it's like you have more of an appreciation for it because it's like it, it was just the dynamic between Mike, Sully and Boo. It's just it's just something that's so heartwarming, you know, Yeah. for them to basically see that uh, that the world that they're living in is kind of a lie. And there's something so innocent like a child that's basically being like damned for, you know, personal greed and for them to form this unique relationship, basically become father figures despite them being, you know, these scary monsters or whatever. It's just it's really heartwarming. It's really touching. And it's one of those films where it's like I appreciate it so much that 
I can't imagine having a kid myself and them not seeing that film. It's one of those things where I feel like it means so much to to your development in life. And if you miss out on it, it's like you're just missing out on a lot. It teaches you a lot of emotional value. You get a really damn good story out of it. And uh, Pixar's creativity is just phenomenal in it. My For my lowest top five, that would be that. Because there, there are some things that, that take the place of it and kind of, I would say, contribute to my character a little bit more. I love that film. It, it really is beautifully made. Pixar's got a lot of things underneath their belt that if you ever just wanted to go out and watch, like you will be damn pleased to, to see most of the things that they've made. It's not like Illumination Studios where you can watch Despicable Me 1, 2, 3, and whatever the hell else they have. What, like Sing or something? Didn't yeah. they make that movie? Yeah. Yeah, and it's like that That stuff is like fucking terrible to me. I, I think I try. I think – no, no, no. The first Despicable Me movie I watched in theaters with my mother, and uh, I haven't watched it since, but I did enjoy it. But, man, yeah, Pixar is just on a whole different you know, playing field, so – yeah, I mean, yeah. all of those earlier Pixar films, like Toy Story, Monsters, Inc., uh, Incredibles, like, they have aged so well. And animation, story, just everything about them has aged so well. And I can count many times where I just constantly rewatched Monsters, Inc. and The Incredibles just because I really enjoyed it. And rewatching it now, like, you can understand the things that you missed and... And, and, like, there's tons of references and adult humor that's in there. But, you know, the best part is, is it's like, you know, I had mentioned how for one of those movies to be successful, I feel like they should hold both an adult audience, a kid audience, like, intrigued in the film, right? Just kind of keep them there wanting to actually see what's going on. Because, like, you know, I've listened to my parents and I asked them, I'm like, how did you guys even like put up with like bringing me to these stupid kids movies that you thought were going to be terrible and whatnot? And they're like, well, I mean, most of the time we just did it for you, you know, but like there were some films out there that were, you know, surprisingly well thought out and either had like a good mix of humor or a good mix of story, you know, and, and it's like Monsters, Inc. was one of those ones where it was just it was well written no matter what way that you looked at it. And uh, even just all of the Pixar films have some sort of element of that. There's lots of references. Like, for example, uh, what's that sushi restaurant that they go to in Monsters, Inc.? It's, like, called Harryhausen or something like that, you know? It's, yeah. like, that in itself is a reference, you know? <laughs> and there's tons, of, there's tons of little bits like that that just keep people interested. Yeah. And, and I like that a lot. But yeah, that, that's what I feel like is missing in like kids shows and t- and movies nowadays is that it yeah. just doesn't have that depth. It seems it's only targeting kids and not like leaving things for the adults just in case they have to sit there and watch it with them. You know, I'm gonna kind of disagree with that because I feel like they do that to an extent. Like, but that's the thing is they only go to the extent where like maybe it's just adult jokes, right? They'll subtly put in a reference like. For example, do you really think that there wasn't going to be an adult joke in, like, a film like The Boss Baby? <laughs> yeah, true. Right? That's true. <laughs> I mean, like, if I – if I okay, I watched that movie kind of, like, half-assed while I was uh, in a hotel down in Dallas with Evelyn, you know, for a vacation, right? And it just came on, and I was, like, doing homework while on vacation. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> and that movie was on the TV in the hotel, right? And I was, like, kind of paying attention to it, kind of not. But it's, like, you know, just just 
the idea of it, like there's a fucking baby that shows up, you know, dressed up in a suit and all this other sort of shit, you know, carried in by uh, what the fuck is it? You know that uh, that uh, stupid fucking bird. Uh, it's like swallow or something like that. Not that ain't no fucking swallow, dude. That thing crane, huge as shit. Crane. It, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. But you know, point is, it's carried in by that big ass fucking bird. You know, looks like a fucking ostrich whatever you know <laughs> and you really think that they wouldn't pass up the opportunity to make a joke about like you know mom where do babies really come from <laughs> you know yeah it's like the whole thing itself is a joke but that's it it's like there was nothing really interesting about it i watched the film and i'm like okay so this film is about little brother discovering that his uh his boss baby brother is actually kind of worth something and they have like some sort of like emotional bond that gets formed later because they hated each other and they just want to be loved by mama and daddy, you know? And it's like, <laughs> really? It was just, it was boring as fuck. Nobody cares. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's just, you're sitting there and you're putting up with it. And then every now and then you're going to get a joke that's thrown at you and you might think that it's funny because the rest of it is so abysmally bad. Yeah. You know, that that's not the case with something like. I mean, shit. Like, I really think that The Incredibles is a film that could be uh, could be put towards both children and adults. Like, I'm not just saying that it's like made for kids, and then like adults and you know children liked it. I'm saying that it could have gone either way. That film was just a film. It didn't really feel like they were targeting anybody in you know particular. You know, it was well written. It was well animated. The music was good. Everything about that. You know, and that's how most of the films felt. And that's why I really like Monsters, Inc. But that one just kind of speaks to me more because I like the story. I like the music. And, I mean, I've, I've, I've sat down and I've cried plenty of times, you know, when it's, like, at the end there. I don't know if you remember. But once they basically expose Mr. Water News, you know, the fucking crab spider yeah. guy. <laughs> you know, he gets arrested and whatnot by the, by the fucking yellow people. I forget what their actual organization was called. He gets he gets arrested and all that sort of shit, and then afterwards they're like, well, you know, we've still got to keep that separation between kid and monster, so, you know, they have to go back to their world and everything, so the permanent answer is you've got to shred that door so, so she can't come through and you can't go through there anymore either. No yeah. more seeing each other. And, uh, and they shred it, and it's just, it's one of the most sad things, but the fucking ending is what really gets me every time, because yeah. it's like, you know, the movie is mostly about Boo and Sully, right? Yeah. Going through, and, and Sully learns how to be a not-so-scary monster and care about something that he thought was impossible to care about, you know? Because, like, the whole picture is painted in the beginning. Like, if a kid even fucking touches you, you're going to implode <laughs> or something, you know? And, uh... 2319! <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was actually in the store with my father the other day, and we were looking for, uh, for like oil or no, no, no. We were looking for uh, windshield wipers for his car, and it was twenty four nineteen, and uh, for for like the length, you know, twenty four inches, and then nineteen for the other. And uh, and he's like twenty three nineteen, <laughs> and uh, and he's like, you don't remember that, do you? I'm like, of course I do. <laughs> the ending was what really got to me at the end uh, of that film because it's like. You know, they shred the door and everything, and Mike Mike Wazowski was always there for Sully, being being his friend, even in moments of like you know where they had doubt and whatnot, and uh, calling each other names and 
and shit. It was like they were always still friends. Yeah. Best best of friends too. And uh I remember at the very end they turn Monsters Inc. into like some sort of like laughing company. So instead of them like getting energy through screams, they get it through laughs. <laughs> and that's cute as shit. And then it's like revealed like later after like a certain amount of time. Mike uh, Mike shows Sully, he's like, look, I need you to come over here, and he shows him that he rebuilt Boo's doors, you know, and had his hands all splintered from putting the door back together, you know, piece by piece. And it's like, the moment that he gives Sully the final piece to slot into the door, and that light turns on, and Sully walks in, and, uh, and he just hears, you know, the word, you know, kitty, and you see his face light up. Like, that shit's just, oh, you know? I yeah. cry every fucking time. It's, it's just, just so good, so good. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's 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 why this movie is placed on my top five for me because there's there's so many things where, you know, especially for me, where emotion really it sets in stone a lot of memories for me, and uh, and that movie is just one of those ones where it's like. You're feeling so many different things as you're going through it, and, like, you can appreciate it because it is a really well-written story in the first place, but it's like, you know, by the end, you actually care, you know? Yeah. And the best part is, is that it ends on a really good note. It does. It really does. <laughs> now, now, I'm not going to say that the rest of the films were that good because, you know, I, I was kind of... I was kind of stroking Pixar's ego here by saying that a lot of their films are good, but then again, they also did make uh, the second Monsters, Inc. movie, which was like the prequel Monster High or something, Monster wasn't it? Monster University, yeah. Yeah, Monster University, and and I remember watching that, and I was like, this shit sucks. It, it was just a money grab. Like, that's, it really that's was. That's why people talk about like old Pixar and new Pixar. Yeah, there definitely is a difference. Early 2000s I mean, Pixar is just the golden age. Yeah, and it's like you can uh, you can take your pick, and it's like I think a lot of people would say I think a lot of people have actually grown up and appreciated um, you know the movie Up a lot more. Yeah, but I remember when that came out, and I liked that one a lot, but that just couldn't make its way up to my top five compared to uh, Monsters Inc. Because Monsters Inc. just really is it's one of those films where I don't feel like a lot of people give it the credit it deserves. It usually gets. Uh, it gets overshadowed by a lot of the other Pixar movies that that are considered, you know, great films. Um, but but that one just personally is is my favorite, and and it means a lot to me. So yeah, that's that's my uh, that's my fifth pick. Now I'm interested to hear what you have. Well, mine is a on a completely different note. Like I said, this is not necessarily a newer top five, except for my number one. Uh, but the only reason this is so low on the list is because the first part of this film is what everybody mainly remembers about it. <laughs> oh, oh! I thought I, I was thought you were going to go in a different direction. And I no, well, like, well I wonder, like I wonder what you've seen. Oh, it it is in a completely different direction. But the first part of this film is what everybody remembers about it, and it's just the way it is directed, shot, the actors, just everything about it. And the movie I'm talking about for my number five is 1987's Full Metal Jacket. But oh, I, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> completely I know. I, I different. Completely agree with you. Yeah, no, like, and that, and that's the weird part. And it's like I've talked with like you know my my father. I would 
I, I was saying earlier how like I've seen a lot of movies, but like I'm kind of feeling like I can't really consider myself a movie buff anymore because it's I've been slacking kind of, you know, yeah. <laughs> with what I've been watching. Same. I had a discussion with him not long ago because I actually recently just watched uh, Apocalypse Now, which I don't know if you've seen that. But, I haven't um, finished it yet, and I really need to. It's really long, dude, and yeah. uh, I'm I'm not gonna say anything, but it's one of those movies where you don't really get a lot of story from it. It's mostly it's kind of one of those things where it's like you know the the opening scene for Private Saving Private Ryan, yeah. where it it accurately shows what the war looks like at the time apocalypse now is kind of in the same vein where it's like the story is interesting yes uh the cinematography is interesting as well but it's mostly just the attention to detail and the way that they show uh the war that was notable but when it comes to like full metal jacket it's like that that first half of that movie is just it's, boot camp I, exactly like you feel like you were there with them and feeling the the just how yeah how mentally physically they're struggling to just get through this this boot camp just to yeah you know, no help, exactly help and know, it's and it's effort. fucking grueling too it's like it's like every every minute of something that's going on there especially with like private pile like fucking up constantly yeah you know especially like I feel like the one scene where he like like uh like he he gets his fucking donut found, you know. Yeah. It and, and it's like it's everybody is punished. It's like you're feeling for everybody. And 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 that's the thing is it's like that is so popular in cinema history that everybody knows the fucking name Private Pile because of that first half of the movie. But nobody can fucking remember the second half. I can't even. No. I think I, I roughly remember, but at pieces. the same time, like, yeah, like, it was not, it wasn't a strong film, except for the first half. Exactly. And that's that's why I rank it so low. Like, the second half is not bad in any means, but because the first half of the movie just affects you so much, and just everything that you had to go through leading up to, you know, finally getting on the front lines and or the tet offensive yeah. or whatever yep it's just it's a whole journey and yeah it really is and and you know one of the things i will say is like you know it's it's not to it's not to say that that movie wasn't wasn't good you know it's just that the first half of it was so goddamn good and so unlike anything that we've seen before that it just it stuck with everybody so much and there is a disconnect between the first half of the movie oh, yeah. and and the second half but i think that that's kind of accurate when it comes to the situation at the time if you understand what i'm trying to say it's like you know at that moment and even just in training in general i mean i don't know if you've ever seen this series but it's called band of brothers and it was uh, made by tom hanks i think after saving private ryan but it was uh it was about a uh a small uh, corps in in World War II called Easy Company or something that uh, that basically just went and did a whole shit ton of special missions during World War II, right? And it's like I I don't know there was a disconnect between you know the the reality of what war actually is for the sh uh, soldiers and what they make the war seem like during boot camp and how a soldier is supposed to be and and then there's that difference between how they're supposed to be, like how they're trained at boot camp, 
and how they actually are when they're in the heat of battle. And and I think that uh I think that full metal jacket, I mean, keeps that keeps that pretty accurate. But it's just because it's so accurate and because the first half was just so damn so damn good that you just you just can't help but remember that and then just kind of forget the second half. And I will say that, you know, personally, the second half was good, but it 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 just it wasn't as strong as the first one and I'm not just saying that because uh because I want to, but really it's it was kind of a weak plot, you know. There wasn't much going on. Yeah. But then it, again, it, I mean it was just kind of like apocalypse <laughs> now just kind of looking at the like the war itself. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's what most of the movie was really just trying to say. Yeah. Was like, you know, here's here's what this looked like for people. Here's like a story to get you to to understand like what these people were feeling at the time. Like could you imagine that, you know? Yeah. I mean, so, that's so that's I, probably just credit to Stanley Kubrick and his fucking persistence of having the perfect film, you know. And oh, that's yeah, why absolutely. The Shining is uh, that's why I mean, that would be a very close number one. That's why I, uh, my, I said my number one was in the other episode. But Stanley Kubrick, just as a director, knows exactly what he wants, when he wants it, and, you know. Yeah. There's been times where I've heard stuff like that regarding other directors, but the best part is, I think, is when you can actually hear that from the actors on set as well, saying, you know, like, how much they appreciated the director because they knew exactly what they wanted to do. Yeah. And that that's why I think directors should just have full control over their movies and that's why directors more directors cuts need to be released of certain films because i when you i can agree to an extent when you give the director full control it just it'll like whether the movie is four hours long whatever they set out to make that movie for a reason and when they get stopped by you know warner brothers or who at Paramount or whatever, just to say, oh, you can't cut this. We that's too graphic, too much. I I understand it to a point because of the, you know general public and going too far on certain things, right? And or it's just all... you know you're gonna make some people unhappy about sitting in a movie theater for so long. Exactly, but th- I mean, yeah. you know, some of I the mean... best films have finally gotten director's cuts, like Blade Runner, Full Metal Jacket. Um, I can't Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now, yeah. Apocalypse Now Redux. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I, I, I'm just a number one proponent for... Lord of the Rings. All right, of yeah, the movies, extended editions. Including like, The Hobbit. <laughs> exactly, because the extended... Particularly Look. for the f- first Fellowship of the Ring and um, Return of the King, those extended editions expand upon the world, and it gives you more background. Yeah, two the towers. Two towers the two ta- yeah, the two towers one wasn't really that interesting, but it was still kind of, kind of okay. I think if I remember the two towers uh, well enough, I think that they actually expand the story between Boromir and his brother. Oh, okay. Just by showing like, uh, yeah, because uh, I- I'm actually forgetting what his brother's name was, but but you know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah. What's his name? Uh, like Denethir. <laughs> Something like that. It, they just, they sounded very similar. Well, uh, of course. I mean, if you could if you could honestly remember all of the fucking dwarves' names, then <laughs> then you would also be like, yeah, <laughs> um, they all sound very similar. Faramir, that was his name. 
right? But uh, but in the in the Two Towers Extended Edition, I think that there was a scene where they actually show like Boromir, um, just reclaimed um, uh, a city that was once Gondor's, you know, but was overrun by orcs or something, mm-hmm. and uh, and his father comes in and is telling you know Boromir, he's like, you've been summoned to you know a council with uh, with Elrond or whatever. And uh, Faramir's there and everything, and you know, it it describes more of the dynamic between the two brothers and their father, you know, who was a complete asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and there's certain scenes like that that really deserve to be in the movie before. Um, but you know, I will actually say, and I'm and I'm gonna touch up on Lord of the Rings, you know, spoilers later in this uh <laughs> in this episode. Yeah. Um, specifically Return of the King, but. There's this one scene in the beginning of Return of the King that was absolutely fucking, like, vital that it existed in the theatrical release, but it absolutely did not, and I don't understand why, right? Okay, so remember the Two Towers and the Fellowship of the Ring. Who was the big bad guy aside from Sauron? Uh, Do you remember? I'm blanking on names. Saruman, the White Wizard. that's it, yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. The he the fucking white wizard who turned evil, you know, and everything. And and he was basically the main enemy of the two towers. If you remember the fucking ending of it, it was like, you know, the uh the last the last battle of the Ents or whatever, you know. They all stormed over tower. to Saruman's tower, which I'm forgetting the name of. Um but they go over and fucking flood the place, you know. <laughs> after after they had built the dam and everything like that and and uh and Saruman loses his entire spawning ground for, uh, that was, you know, for the orcs and whatnot. <laughs> and he's left defenseless and powerless. But but what happens to Saruman? If you watch the original theatrical release, they don't show anything about what happens to him. But in the extended Terrible. version, there's like at the very beginning of the movie, they walk over to his tower, like the, the base of it, and they see Saruman like sticking his head out and everything with uh, with Grima, if you remember him as well, the the, the worm tongue guy who was uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. who was there when Theoden was you know, he was basically speaking for Theoden while he was uh, corrupted by Saruman or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and it was like they actually showed what happened to Saruman. Like, Grima fucking stabs him in the back and everything, and Saruman, like, falls all the way down and gets plopped onto, like, this wheel uh, that has a spike on it mm. and uh, and drops the the orb of the Kalanthir or whatever it's called. Yeah. And, uh, and they didn't put that in the theatrical release. Like, that was such a, like, an important detail. You can't just be like, well, what happened to Saruman? And I know that a lot of people actually said said that. Even Christopher Lee himself, he's like, uh, I was kind of confused on why I wasn't in the movie when it came out. But they just wanted but, to yeah. shorten the movie because they're assholes. Yeah, but it's like you know, like the the director, you know, Peter Jackson, recorded the scene and everything for it. So why did they cut it? It's like it's the studio. Ask them. Yeah, I just I don't understand that. That's why like, there's director's some... cuts, extended editions. You know. Yeah, exactly. And I'm glad that they're able to exist. And you know, um, it, I can really appreciate the fact that you know uh, studios will allow the director's uh, versions to actually come into existence because I think that they realize that there is an appreciation for it. And plus, they get to they they basically get to make double the profit. 
in a way, you know? Yeah, that's true. Very true. Yeah. Even though the director's editions don't really, you know, release in theaters or anything, they still get to, you know, go on streaming services and, and uh, discs and all that sort of stuff. So it's like they, they, they just they just get extra funding, you know, for stuff that uh, didn't really require too much effort because it was all it was all edited and everything. And it's just, you know, when they make the final like gold disc or whatever to send out into theaters and and say like here you're gonna play this they they decide you know what scenes actually get to stay and what don't so but they're already like finished and made okay so lord of the rings tangent done <laughs> yep but anyways this all ties back to full metal jacket and in, in uh, some sort of way you know <laughs> totally just just the eye of the director and how they want you to perceive their yep. story that they're trying to tell but yeah full metal jacket would be higher if the second half was stronger but if if you still haven't seen this movie, you you just have at least the first half. Like I would be I would be content just cutting off the first half and making it its own thing. I completely agree with you on that. It it is one of those things where it's like it's uh, and and it's long too. The first half is. Yeah, it's the it, majority it, it of is. the movie. Yeah, which and is great. Uh, <laughs> so I I guess in 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 all honesty, it's more like the first two thirds of the movie, if I'm remembering it correctly, or maybe. Maybe for some reason it was just like uh, the the second half for me just was so fast because I didn't care or whatever. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of um, one thing that you know you were saying about not being a movie buff. I feel the same way because I keep re-watching the films that I love. <laughs> so. Right. No, no. I mean, hey, I, I know plenty of people who do that while also still expanding you know, their, uh, their, their library, I guess, of what they've seen. So. Yeah. But, but yeah. Full Metal Jacket is definitely one of those movies where it's just, it's very, very interesting, only for that first little bit. Yeah. I actually thought at first that you were going to talk about the new Elvis movie. No, because I, I because I was like, it. you know, a lot of people have been talking about how like the first half, or or, and I was like, oh yeah, because, uh, you know, I just saw it and um, and I was saying that like, the first like third of the movie or or half of it, I guess if you want to, is like really really slow and feels really well actually no it wasn't really slow but it was really fast and it was all kind of like jumbling up together and it was moving at such an accelerated pace that i just couldn't keep up with it yeah. and i was like am i just an old fuck here or something because i don't know if you've like tried sitting down and watching like kid shows cartoons or something like that or even movies but it's like they jump from point a to b to c to d like almost instantaneously you know like there's so many different things that are going on and that's how the first fans. part of the Elvis movie felt for me, but uh, yeah, um, I haven't really delved deep into like newer releases, sadly. Uh, just like standalone films. Eh, I haven't either, really. I mean, I, there's not but, been a lot of things that have come to theater that I've been interested in. Yeah, oh, well, I remember seeing the the trailer for um, Elvis back when you know, back in December with No Way Home, and I I, I was genuinely interested in. And watching it, but of course, I just haven't gotten around to it. Plus, shit's expensive. But yeah, I, yeah. the newest film that I truly enjoy that I've watched is a twenty a twenty fifteen Hateful Eight, which is also on my other list. But oh, you just saw that? Well, no, I I saw it a while ago when you recommended oh. it. I'm just oh, saying yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's the newest film that I've like truly sat down and enjoyed, aside from like MCU movies. But that's all. That's a whole another thing. Yeah, I I understand that. I'm I'm I can't really uh Oh, the Batman. 
Oh, well, the yeah, Batman, the Batman. That's true. The Batman was really damn good. I actually watched it a second time not long ago, but but shit, I feel like we're wasting so much time right God, now. We really need to jump hey, into this. the hey, rest of this list. Tangents. It's it's all good. All right. Number, <laughs> what's number four for you? What you got? Okay, okay. Um, you know, it, it's funny that we actually just brought this up, but um, number four for me um, is actually Avengers Infinity War. Ah. Um, yes. Really, really not a surprising choice, I'd say. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of people actually put this in, in like their top tens of all time, but like, you have to understand that this is, this is, I'm, I'm going to offer probably a, uh, a different reasoning from what most people would say. You know, a lot of people would probably be like, you know, we waited for years, you know, to see Thanos come to the big screen after all the teases that have been happening. But dude, I'm going to be honest with you. When I was watching the MCU movies growing up and all that sort of stuff, I, I said like, okay, cool. It's purple man. I, I don't really care. Like what the fuck? Like. You think I care about this sort of stuff? It, like, it didn't really become apparent to me what the Infinity Stones were until uh, like <laughs> Infinity War hit, you know? Yeah. So it's like, because it's like, you know, in all the MCU movies, they're always talking about like, well, now we've got this big bad, you know, or this mystical force or something like that that we're going to have to deal with. So it's like, I think the first time like they really direct the Infinity Stones, um, like, and kind of address them directly, sorry, is what I was meaning to say, is in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. When, you know, they talk about the Power Stone and everything. And uh, they go to the Collector and show him what they've got or what they were talking about and everything. And and he gives, like, the full lore on what they are and, and what they're used for. And, you know, it's like, I I still didn't care because I was like, okay, cool. It's, you know, plot, plot device. You know, they need to have something for the movie to actually go in a direction. But I didn't, I didn't really care, you know? And even when like Infinity War got leaked and everything, and I remember the first the first little trailer, like people were like holding up a camcorder or their phone or something when they were sitting in in the announcement room, and it got leaked and all that sort of stuff. And I saw it like preemptively. I was like, okay, cool. Like it looks interesting, but I still don't care. It's just another Avengers movie because at this point in time, when they announced it, dude, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I've seen most of the MCU movies, but I was just burnt out on them. I did not care because. You know, it's one of those things where it's like uh, Marvel, and even now, still, except for like the rare occasion, it's very formulaic. You know, yeah. Good guy is is typically doing pretty good. You know, is pretty happy, and then something bad happens, and then they're like, oh no, how are we ever going to recover from this? And then next thing you know, they they somehow do, and then they're like, you know, they do like some funny comedy bits in between that are kind of like cringe at the same time, <laughs> and it's like. You know, and even though it's it's well made, it's just it's a lot of the same stuff, and and it's easy to feel like you're being oversaturated with the amount of stuff that that is repeated and and feels the same. And so, like, you know, when Avengers: Infinity War came out and everything, I mean, like, literally when it came out, I was like, I don't care. I don't want to go see another uh, MCU movie right now. I didn't watch Ant Man and the Wasp because after the last movie before that, I just said, look, man, I'm done. I really don't care anymore. Yeah. Like, these movies aren't holding my interest. I could give less of a shit. And it's like, I hated how they were all tying together. So if you missed out on one, yep. then you would miss out on so much of the plot for the next movie after that. 
And it's getting and, even worse nowadays because of all the TV shows coming out. Yeah, the, the TV shows, the films, and everything, right? So it's like there's so much watch time that you have to put into it. Like, for example, I really – like, let me stress this to you, okay? You watched Infinity War. Yeah. The What was the fucking driving thing in Endgame? Ant-Man and the Wasp. I didn't watch it. <laughs> so it was like I go into Endgame and I'm like, the fuck? You know? <laughs> Yeah, it's like true. if you don't watch it, then you just kind of go like, "What the hell did they just pull out of their ass?" It's like, you you, you see where I'm going with that is it's like it, there was this frustration between me and it's like, I was just done with Marvel movies, but here's the thing: I'm doing all this complaining right now, but I still said that this movie was in my top four, okay? And I mean specifically taking fourth place, like that's a big deal to me. Infinity War is by far, I think, the most well-made Marvel movie. And there's a few reasons for that, and 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 I think that through my reasoning, you'll understand why it's in my top four. Um, first of all, let's address the big thing here, right? Thanos. Thanos was probably, I think, the best character that they've ever made, and I'm I'm purposely saying that they made like, you know, Marvel Studios like in the cinematic universe, right? Because comic book Thanos was extremely fucking two-dimensional and boring because you know after boring watching neat. infinity war <laughs> i wanted i wanted to figure out what what the what the big purple man was like in the comics and everything like that dude was literally just obsessed and horny and simping over i i shit you not lady death <laughs> that's so boring dude yeah. that is so boring but yet you know, I thought it was a stretch when I was watching it in films, you know, for him to basically say, like, yeah, like, I want to wipe out half the universe because overpopulation is a real thing. And, uh, you know, my planet was literally destroyed from, like, within because there just wasn't enough to go around. And and now look, now I'm the last of my kind or whatever. And, and you know, I thought I thought it was a stretch, but at the same time, it was one of those things where it was still understandable. And Josh Brolin's, like, performance and delivery of, like, just his voice lines, his his motion capture, everything. It was so fucking good that he, he sold it to me. Even though it was, like, kind of weak, he sold it to me, mm-hmm. right? And uh, now I want to address the other thing. The entire fucking plot of the movie was actually decently good. Basically, for them to say, for the heroes to finally get their ass kicked in a meaningful way and for Marvel to take the bold step and say, hey guys, you're not going to have your heroes for a while. That was so fucking good. Yeah. Like, any viewer who walks in there and watches the movie and has half a brain about how Marvel Studios has been, like, <laughs> leading up to this point and how Disney, like, you know, for example, Spider-Man, right? They just acquired the rights to Spider-Man, and the next thing you know, like, what, he gets poofed in the fucking um, snap or whatever? Yeah. Everybody knows that Spider-Man's going to come back because there's no way that they would make a deal with Sony for, you know, X amount of money for them to basically just be like, yeah, Spider-Man's not coming back, you know? But the thing was, it's like, that movie was so strong because throughout all moments of it, you know, like, they really built up Thanos' character to be one of the most understandable yet, like, fucking brutal characters that the cinematic universe had ever seen, right? Dude was so scary that he fucking scared the Hulk into submission, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that was awesome. 
his character was just one of the most well-written things I've seen in a long time. He was scary. He was understandable. He was a villain with a purpose that you could actually get behind other than like other than him just being something like, well, I want to conquer the universe for myself and uh, yeah, that's it, you know, <laughs> or like something like uh, what was the most two-dimensional and like flat character that they had uh, in like for like really you think Falcon? Yeah, I actually liked him. I'm not gonna lie. It's he's just eh. he just he just gets dropped. Like he's just like yeah he has the banter with uh, Captain America and Winter Soldier, but like he's not his story really isn't like explained until and like his motivations until the Falcon and Winter Soldier TV show, you know? Right, which like, I haven't just watched in there. Yeah, I haven't watched it because I had no interest. And and even that, well, I haven't finished it, of course. But even then, it's like, <laughs> yeah, okay, this is what's happening. This is like yeah, he's well. he's just he's just you know, it, all the other characters and superheroes got their own movie or at least their own like little story within one of the movies. But I I don't know. He just he kind of showed up. In in what was it? What what Captain America? He uh, showed up Winter in, in Winter Soldier, right? Yeah. And he was pretty cool. And then he showed up in Civil War. And I thought that he was cool there too. <clears throat> but they never really gave him his own spotlight. You yeah. know? Exactly. He was a good assisting character. And uh and I think that the way that they actually did portray it in the films was like that he was actually becoming a close friend and and a uh, and an understandable kind of person to Captain America, you know, Steve? I feel like he saw a lot of himself in in the Falcon, you know? And was like, yeah, I, I like this dude. He He's a soldier. He's not, like, crazy or anything, and he really just likes to serve his country and fight the good fight. I think that just because of their own personal relationship that what they had with each other and, you know, them them having, like, kind of a brotherly bond... You know, like a brother in arms kind of bond, not not like one that was like super strong. That he was willing to uh, give up the mantle of Captain America to him because he just felt like you know he earned it in a way. He's a soldier, just like how uh, just like how Steve was at the time. He was a nobody, but he wanted he wanted to be somebody who who served for his country. So in a way, I like I kind of get it. I'm I'm gonna cut him some slack there, you know. But um, but that's just me personally. But anyways, the whole reason that I like this film is um. Like it, it's a nice little thing to sit through. I I really enjoyed it in theater. I'll never forget what it was like when I was watching it, <laughs> and I remember the crowd reaction of like the very end where the villain actually gets to do the thing he wanted to, yeah. and you see the heroes in a moment of weakness, and then you're just sat there thinking for like a whole year, <laughs> well, what the fuck else is next? You know, like how are they gonna, how are they going to do this? And then uh, Endgame came out, and I do feel like it was a weaker film. But that's just because it's like uh, Infinity War gave you the ending that you knew was too good to be true, right? Mm -hmm. But if you just allow yourself to be convinced for that little bit in time that maybe, maybe that this is a permanent thing and you don't know what's going to happen because, like, you know, with in hindsight – in Endgame, them doing like the whole time traveling thing, getting everybody to come back. It's like, it's pretty boring. But at the time, like, when you're sitting in the theater and you're seeing everybody oh. they just disappear like that, 
and then the movie fucking ends with like your heroes like kneeling and shit you know just like in tears and questioning like did they just lose that was a big deal it made you wonder like huh i wonder how they're actually going to do the next film which is like the whole thing that i was trying to say these movies were predictable they were boring yeah and for them to basically say hey we have this new film that came out and it's going to throw off your expectations or whatever and for them to actually deliver on that it was it was super satisfying to to sit through and watch yeah you know so it didn't feel like all of those years that i spent watching those movies were put to waste you know because yeah. it it was it was meaningful it was enjoying it was satisfying and i loved the fucking mystery and the and the whole like thinking on my part of going like huh like what are they going to do in the next film yeah the <laughs> so, yeah. anticipation was real <laughs> Yeah, it the sure many, fucking was, man. The and, many and... conversations <laughs> that we had in class just trying to figure out what they're going to do next. Yeah, and it was just – it was so satisfying to, to to just get an ending that was different for once and for them to do something in theater that hasn't really been done before because that's a really bold move for a company to do something like that, you know? It paid off in my opinion. It sure did. I mean even though Endgame to me was weaker, it was like – it was still a damn good film. Yeah. And uh, and it and it it was just yeah, those two movies back to back were were fan fucking tastic. So yeah, that's my fourth. How about yours, buddy? So my number four is once again a detour from superheroes and fun things and stuff <laughs> into Saw, two thousand four. Really? Wait, yes. I when I first saw this movie on TV. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> you saw the movie. Yeah, I, get it. I first saw the movie on TV. I was like, "What is this? Why is there a dead guy just sitting in the floor? Why are these guys chained up? Why is he cutting off his fucking foot?" And then I hmm. just delved deep into this like psychological, like your choices matter type thing, also mixed with like almost like a horror element, but it's more. It's more like a psychological horror. It wasn't like jump scare, spooky, supernatural things. It was like your decisions and choices have consequences. And are you willing to test your morality to get out of this fucked up situation? That's really interesting because, you know, like I've heard I've heard things about the Saw movies, but, you know, I've never actually seen one before. It's I've never seen any of them. I mean, it's kind of like a continuing story. But really, right. within the first at least three, but you could consider four, I guess, the main story of figuring out who Jigsaw is as a person and why he is doing mm -hmm. the things he is doing. And just his his story about, like, well, I, I kind of don't want to spoil it. it. If you are considering on watching it, mm -hmm. I don't really want to spoil it. But um, <clears throat> go, go ahead, honestly, because it's like the, the likelihood of me ever seeing it is very... Very slim. Okay. Well, basically, his whole story is like he he had uh, a wife who was pregnant, and one day he just was diagnosed with cancer, and he started questioning his own morality, and then he proceeds to get into a car crash, and at that moment, he's like, what if I were to test other people's morality and whether they treasured their life enough to attempt to get out of a life-threatening situation as I did in my car crash. 
like the the thing with his wife and his his pregnant wife she basically had a miscarriage pretty much and with his child not having a choice in the matter of being basically killed and murdered by right. just random chance he's not like any other horror movie you know killer it's not a ruthless killer just dead set on killing everybody because they're oh they're in my camp they're you know or they're in a place they're not supposed to be or oh supernatural beings it it feels very real it can get very gruesome at times right uh, especially in the later films because it felt more just like torture porn to be honest with you yeah and that was kind of what i was getting from it you know i didn't really think that yeah. there was anything more to it than that yeah no the earlier that, that's films, why i've never been interested yeah the earlier films actually has a story and a motivation but the later films are like i want to do what he did but i don't really have much of a motivation other than i think he's cool i see i see yeah okay but well, that is definitely interesting <clears throat> i've never heard anybody say that that was like among their their favorites oh, it's it just the just the character the characters and their well see stories. that's the thing is it's like i i appreciate those types of movies that really fuck with you psychologically and i i always suppose that this is going to lead into a tangent here but just to just to say to you and in terms of horror i don't really get you know scared of anything so i feel like most horror stuff just doesn't really it, it it always feels like it's failing in its purpose for me um unless it really truly messes with my thinking in some sort of way right not my reactions to things like for example am i going to be scared of going into the bathroom alone at night or something like that when it's like 2 a.m and the lights are completely out like that's stupid that's boring one of the films that i've watched and i mean i told you about it but rosemary's baby was one of those ones where it's like uh the whole film is just constantly a mindfuck. Yeah. I really don't know how else to put it without spoiling it because it's like much to well, it. No, I, I watched it. Oh, you did? Yeah, I finished it. Remember, I was like, I don't think I ever want to watch this again just because yeah, of how Yeah, exactly. It was it fucking is. traumatic. It's, it is. It was, it's terrifying to sit through and watch it's because like, it's like. You're questioning, yeah. like, why are they just doing this to. Why, why like, is everybody in on it? Yeah. Yeah, like, who can you really trust? Yeah, exactly, and it's like, you just, you couldn't imagine, like, what that would be like for, for her going through all of that, and then, it's like, I think the most fucked up part was the ending, mm-hmm. where she literally just accepts the fact that she gave birth to baby Satan, Yep. you know, and she's like, this is my child, so I'm gonna love him, and yeah. I'm like, oh my god, like, that's so fucked, like, ha- how? Exactly, because she just has you know? to accept it. It's it's her yeah. child. And, and then meanwhile, it's like, you know, you've got all these people who were denying, like, everything that was going on. They were making up, like, stories to to tell her that she was fucking crazy. And the next thing you know, she finally gets to the bottom of it, but it's way too late because she already had the baby and everything. And she walks in and she sees all the people who she suspected were in on it, and they're all like, you know, hail Satan and stuff yeah. and, and whatnot. And it's just, it's it's it was crazy, you know? It was so out there in terms of like the story, I'd say, because it's like really woman gives birth to Satan or whatever. Like that's that's a stretch. But it was just so so fucked, you know, because it's like could you imagine a world where that actually happened? Yeah, it's because it felt so real. In a sense, I felt it was ahead of its time, but it was it wasn't at, you know. It set the tone for future horror movies. 
oh, it really future did. psychological horror movies. For sure, for sure. And there's a lot of movies that I feel like kind of like spawned from it, but but that's a time or that's a talk for uh, for later. Yeah. You know. But yeah, number number my number four saw great psychological horror <laughs> film, good characters, good motivations, and then the the series just kind of tapers off after the third fourth film. Right on. Yeah, I I respect that. So now I guess I'll jump in and uh and say what my uh my third is and you know, you were just actually talking about it in our in our little Discord, but uh Blade Runner, dude. Blade Runner is like my third pick because of just how uh how they were able to create an entire world within one movie. Ridley you know? Scott, baby. Ridley Scott. It, it was just, it was one of those things where it was so creative and and artistic in its message and just everything about it. Like, a lot of people liked Star Wars when it came out because it was sci-fi stuff that they'd never seen before. There was so much detail in, like, alien races, technology, sounds, and everything. But Blade Runner was one of those things where it's like, just the like you can recognize it's it's our world and everything mm-hmm. but yet it seems so foreign it still seems so futuristic but so believable at the same time yep you know and that movie it just has an incredible tone it has an incredible message too which is very interesting if you watch the original the whole the whole plot of the film is that there's the replicants that are going through and and basically you know murdering people because uh they're just trying to basically live their lives away uh from people and just be almost like real people you know that's what a replicant really wants except they know that they're going to expire because they have whatever the hell it's called just the the countermeasure built into them that's just making them rapidly age so fast to the point where they just die way faster than any other normal person so they don't really get to live even though they want to. Yeah, it's like expiry right? date or something. I can't remember the term that they came up with. Yeah, it it really was just a countermeasure. But it was a but yeah, it was almost like an expiration date. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, I didn't nece- like I said, I didn't necessarily finish the film, but right. the 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 vision that Ridley Scott had and I I usually don't talk about like I I enjoy music as a whole, but like I I normally don't talk about the score of a film mm-hmm. because it usually it's just background but the guy who uh who composed the score of Vangelis he's like very sci-fi synth synthy yep. you yeah know. no exactly i was going to say like the synth wave music for yeah. for oh, cyberpunk is or it, it, for it, cyberpunk <laughs> cyberpunk oh no for for blade runner yeah. was uh it it it's just it's iconic it it's it's so well done and just if if it takes somebody who doesn't talk about scores of movies to you know mention it and talk about how it makes them feel like you know it's yeah it's amazing and 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 I will say this I mean without going into spoiler territory I think that one of the more interesting parts about this movie was that it was able to look into the future um and offer like the ending I like when there's a point to a movie and the ending really kind of made you question what you're going to behave like in the future in a way. Because I think, uh, you know, as me being a computer scientist and somebody who, you know, specializes within, you know, the tech field and everything like that, 
Um, one of the things that's become really apparent to me is that you know there's a big push for artificial intelligence and uh, and practices like machine learning and everything like that, right? And so I think that it's very realistic for there to be a possibility that at some point we're going to have fully sentient like AI, right? And that's almost what Blade Runner is: is it's it's sentient AI, but with you know bodies, right, in the form of replicants. Because they're just supposed to be people, but not really, right? And so the big question of the film, and and like it's later revealed at the end what the actual question is, I suppose, um, not really an answer to it or anything, is you know what makes us human, and and it's like how are you to judge if a person is human or not, you know? If they if they feel like it, if they talk like it, if they behave like it, and all that sort of stuff, does that not make them human? If it doesn't, then what does? Yeah. And and that's what I loved about that movie. You see so much of it from Deckard's point of view, you know, as him being a Blade Runner whose job is to retire the replicants and stuff. Yeah. That you never really think what it's like for the replicants, right? But by the end of the movie. They pose that question, and I'm not going to go into spoiler territory, but it, it's just – it's a fantastic film that, that's that's really old, you know, when you think about it. Yeah, it was the 80s, fucking <laughs> 30, 40 yeah, years and, ago now. And for them to – and for them to basically make a plot like that and, and, and ask those types of questions is really interesting. Now, I will say that Blade Runner is actually based on a book, so I can't give all the credit uh, to, to just the, the filmmakers as a whole, that's but – but you know, you you get where I'm going with that. So yeah, Blade Blade Runner is really up there for me. And and I actually wanted to say this um, before I really unveiled uh, just kind of like the first movie. But I see both the films, Blade Runner and then Blade Runner 2049, as equals. Gotcha. So so I would place them both here if I could. But if I had to pick one or the other, I mean, like it's really difficult. But I think that the first one has a lot more. Uh, has a lot more of a message to it than the second one does. Yeah. The second one is just a really good fucking film that continues the the story from the first. So one of these days I will finish it, but do unforeseen it is really, really good. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is it's really good and uh and I I love those films. I'm so glad that I watched them, but Yeah. Okay. Now you buddy. Number three. Now I've only seen this film once. But as you were saying, the films that stick with you and moments that you remember for them, that's why they hold such a special place. And this was always on my list for a while, but I never got around to watching it until I'd say maybe three, four years ago. It was it was definitely in high school. I, I constantly find myself thinking about the past and questioning whether my my present self today would make those same decisions. And of course, you know, coming to the conclusion that the decisions that I made in the past has formed me into the person I am now. And so the movie I'm talking about is The Butterfly Effect with Ashton Kutcher. Oh my god, I haven't seen that in a while. It's, it's so... The concept alone... I, again, it's been a minute since I've watched it, so I can't recall whether the dialogue was actually good or not. But the concept itself and just just a guy just randomly being able to transport back in time to the difficult moments in his childhood and like changing the past to form a new future 
because of like his uh I think he broke up with his girlfriend or his girlfriend broke up with her broke up with him or something and he wanted to change it and then him immediately being transported into the present slash the future and seeing that everything has changed and just yep. expanding upon the butterfly effect itself like if you go back in time and just mess with something the avalanche that is to come in the future like what if you know you stopped hitler from killing himself what would have happened you know like yeah, yeah. i and i if always I remember, if i remember that movie correctly like wasn't he actually like suffering like uh like from something physical every time that that happened or something i don't uh, remember it was like uh like a narcolepsy i think or he he kept right passing out or something I, I really. I, need I, to thought, I thought that he had like seizures or something, and, Maybe and it was like seizures. his his brain was bleeding or some shit like that. I, I I don't remember. It's been a while, but like yeah, I re I remember watching that movie and going like, damn, this is actually really good. Yeah. I did not expect it to be so good. But if you really want to be disappointed, then go watch the other one. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't acknowledge. I didn't watch it. I don't acknowledge it. But it is widely known as one of the worst sequels ever made. Yep. I re I refuse to watch it, and and I'm honestly content with have watching just the the first one and and leaving it that way. Yeah, but so. what's odd to me is that critically it wasn't very good, but like the audience absolutely loved, it. like the actual viewers truly enjoyed it, which is what I yeah. thought was interesting. But yeah, I I really do need to go back and watch it because I I thoroughly enjoyed it, and just me contemplating things back you know three four years ago because of you know. As you have known me through my entire high school tenure. Yep. Um, you know, we, we always, you know, think back in the past and whether we want yeah, to what are what are there what are there things that we could change if we could exactly. You know? But what are what are some things about our lives that that you know could stay the way that they are? And it's just yeah, no. I understand completely. And that movie that movie really really told you something it showed you it showed you maybe what that could look like yeah. you know except except with a little bit of a twist on it you know of yeah. course but um but yeah i interesting i did not expect that to actually be up there for you oh, I, I i really i really did not even though i like like i said i only watched it once but it just it just stuck with me this all throughout you know yeah i like years. i like movies that do that for you you know but but if you know when they really stick like that for me, I go back and I watch them a second time after a few years, and, I, and I'm like, I'm like, I wonder how how well this actually holds up for me. I, I, I probably will rewatch it pretty soon if I can find it streaming somewhere. So yeah, that that's my number three, the butterfly effect. All right. Oh my god, look, we're 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 actually going through these now. Yeah. We're getting so close. <laughs> okay, so like, you know me as a person. What do you think is going to be my second pick? Come on, like this should be really easy, I think. It's it's either Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. <laughs> Very good. Let's go with uh let's go with your first choice here. It actually was Lord of the Rings. I mean, I had mentioned it earlier and I said that it um, you know, Return of the King was one of those things I'm going to brush up on and it's like I've talked so fondly of all of the films, uh the books and all of the extra extra stuff, you know, forever really i have i've praised these films ever since i saw them and they've always meant something to me even though like there wasn't really a reason for it so like just to kind of like clarify what i'm trying to say here is like um 
you know, it's not like I sat down and watched them with my parents or anything like that. And then, you know, because I watched it with my family and enjoyed it together, that it holds like um, it holds some sort of sentimental value for me. Right. That's that's simply not the case. It's like what actually happened was my parents said, you know, the Hobbit movie's coming out. Do you want to go watch it with us? And I'm like, uh, uh, no, um, I actually have to to read that right now in uh, in middle school. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> And that was a complete lie. I just actually didn't want to spend time with them, right? Wow. <laughs> like, like, sorry, sorry, mom and dad. I, I didn't go see The Hobbit: An Unexpected Journey with you because, uh, because I just wasn't interested at the time. I thought it was, you know, fantasy bullshit that I really just didn't care about. You know, like I thought, I thought it was one of those things. There's a separation for me between, like, you know. Um, the amount of fantasy that I was okay with was basically like Oblivion and Skyrim, right? <laughs> Where it's like it feels very mild in a sense, but it's still like you know, it, it, it's enough fantasy, right? But I felt like Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit were just things that I just did not want to touch because there was a time back then where I think I was like maybe eight or something, and my father tried showing me uh, Fellowship of the Ring, right? Mm-hmm. And Fellowship of the Ring basically like the only thing that I remembered from that movie was I remember being a little kid when the films first came out and my parents were uh, watching the DVD um, on the TV and I remember seeing Gollum and being scared as fuck, <laughs> yeah. you know? And uh, and then as I got older, I was like, wait, is this the movie with the creepy creature and stuff? Because I saw him on like the disc or whatever and they're, and they're like, yeah, but he doesn't show up until the later ones and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then I watched a little bit of Fellowship of the Ring and dude, I fucking fell asleep in like the first yeah. little bit. As soon as I saw the green hills of the Shire, I was like, this is so fucking boring <laughs> and like the music and everything. I was like, <laughs> I can't do this. Mm. I fucking can't. Right? But then I grew up and they told me that The Hobbit was coming out. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to see what everybody's raving about, right? So I'm like, okay, can you tell me more about The Hobbit and stuff like that? And they're like, yeah, it's uh, it's the movies that are – it's basically telling the story. It's like a prequel before Lord of the Rings and whatnot. I'm like, what's Lord of the Rings? And they're like, here's all the films. There you go. Go watch if you want to. And so that's what I did. I took the films, and while they went to go watch uh, The Hobbit, I watched Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring. And I fucking fell in love with it. It was so good. It was so fucking good. And it was like, now that I was actually able to like pay attention to it and, and see what was going on and, and really just like have an appreciation for like some of the finer detail to film, like the score, the, the characters and, and just everything was, it was just, it was so good. It was so mesmerizing how good it was. And like, going through all of the films for the first time was just something that you just didn't know what was going to happen right yeah i hate films that are predictable because there were plenty of times when i was you know in middle school and in like my earlier years of high school and and i guess even now to an extent where it's like i go into a theater and you know you watch a film and 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 you subconsciously kind of do it where like you're you're guessing what's going to happen next yeah right and and if and if what you're guessing actually happens i consider the film to be kind of weak in a way, right? I like ones that that shake it up in some sort of way. Um, even if it's like, you know, for example, you know that there's going to be like some sort of resolution between characters. It's like, how does that resolution actually like come about? You know, if you if you can predict it, then it sucks. That's that's kind of what I'm trying to say. It's not necessarily like, you know, 
it's like if you're predicting that there's going to be an end to the movie, then then you're just being stupid at this point, right? But yeah. you know, if you can predict like kind of more the uh, the underlying storytelling elements, then I think that that's kind of shitty. But Lord of the Rings was one of those movies where it's just like you never knew what was going to happen, and and going through it was just it was amazing. The characters were so well written. The storyline was just fucking fantastic. And the music, man. The fucking music. I remember when I was in band in fucking sixth grade, dude. I had my little clarinet and I'd go home and I'd fucking practice playing the Shire music. I shit you not. <laughs> and then it was just, it was a good time. But, but, but I'm talking about Lord of the Rings as a whole here. Let me tell you why Return of the King stands as my top, okay? A lot of people, if they had to pick one, would usually pick Return of the King. But here's the thing for me. The extended edition of Return of the King is probably the best extended edition to me. Mm-hmm. But it's just like you sat through the first movie and the second movie. And there had been so much development and like emotion from all the characters and and these storylines that just kept on going that like you never knew what was next, right? Yeah. And when you get to Return the King, it's like you're seeing the culmination of everything that they've been working towards, and and the storyline is naturally progressing to its end. There's just so many emotional parts of Return of the King, and so many well-written parts. Like, you know, think about how Gandalf separating from um, Aragorn and Gimli and all of them, and going off to Minas Tirith with, uh, with Pippin and everything. Yep. That in itself was like it was so cool because uh, you know Pippin had stared into like the orb of the Calanthir and all that sort of shit and it's like there's just so many different things where it's so unique in every way and it's like you just wouldn't expect it ever. Yeah. You know, and just the final moments of the movie, it's like I think that movie makes me cry at like eight different points. And it's all during, like, the last, like, 30 minutes, mm. you know? And it's just – it has so much emotional weight. <clears throat> it wraps up the characters really well, and it just tells a fantastic fucking story, you know? It's just – it's one of those things that will never get old for me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, back before I met Evelyn, like, I made it a goal for me to watch Lord of the Rings every year. <laughs> But now she judges me really hard for doing that, so I don't do it as much. But I mean, I did watch them like last year, you know, like all of them again, like and the extended editions too. Yeah. And like I just gotta say, man, like they 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 hold up well, no matter what age you are, you know, um, no matter how many times you've watched them, they are just fucking fantastic films. Yeah. And it's like. I just can never get enough of them. And Return of the King is just simply my favorite because it's like, it is a good ending. It it does everything that a final film would need to do. Like, could you imagine if the Rise of Skywalker was mm. any good compared to, uh, like, like if it was even on the same level yeah. as Return of the King? Well, like, the, everybody, that, everybody just appreciates it. That's why I think... This this goes back to a broader uh, topic of planning out sequels. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Which, <laughs> as as you guys have seen, 
um, I released the first part of my Star Wars retrospective, and um, I am planning to do future ones, trust me, that's why it still has part one. And I, w- I will go further into depth about this, but just scratching the sur- surface of Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and even the MCU movies, at least the, the Infinity Saga, they all had a plan. They all had something you know, expanding even George Lucas with the original trilogy there was a plan with the first three movies and how it would wrap up in a bow and that's why I think Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings and uh, and... they're just a great package together and it is very hard to just select one of those movies because it's an overarching story like I said, I will go further into depth about that when I finally get to the sequels of Star Wars, but a little teaser there. But yeah, The Lord of the Rings, I I don't think if I would have watched it as a kid, like I watched Harry Potter, I would have fully appreciated it. So that's why I, I'm glad I waited, at least until I was, uh, what, I was 16, 17 when I finally sat down and watched Lord of the Rings movies. And I initially mm-hmm. watched Fellowship of the Ring on TV. Didn't necessarily know about the extended editions. And of course, you're not going to find those on TV because, you know, TV runtimes and all that. But I watched the first Fellowship of the Ring, and I, I enjoyed it. I was like, okay, I see what I see where people are coming with this. And then I watched The Two Towers, and I'm like, I don't... This is, this is stupid. I don't like the pacing of this film. They keep... Two Towers is a weird in-between, but I really feel like it... it... <laughs> It's absolutely vital for them to have done that film that way. I will say that actually in in the book, The Two Towers actually has a lot of what you saw in Return of the King in that book. But Ah. they didn't do that for the movie, right? I think think actually leading all the way up to like – you remember when uh, Frodo and Sam get to Shelob's lair or whatever, the big spider? Yeah. Right? That that was like the end of uh, The Two Towers. Gotcha. I'm not sure on that. Don't quote me. Okay. Um, yeah. I, but, just like yeah. aside from like the last like when you know the ants are actually storming the tower, mm-hmm. like just sitting through that entire movie, I was like, okay, there are interesting parts here. You know, going to Helm's Deep and and all that, and then the corrupted king and all. You know, but then they would they would switch it as soon as you were getting into it. They would just switch perspectives. Like, oh, here's Merry and Pippin again. I don't fucking care what they're doing. And then it would switch to Gollum and Frodo, and like, okay, I'm getting into this. And then it would switch it again, you know? I'm like, yeah, I, I can I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I couldn't get comfortable setting into it. While in Fellowship, it was nicely paced, and you know, it was the and you fellowship. were following the company the entire time. Exactly. And I stopped, or I watched Two Towers, and I was like, I just don't, I don't have any motivation to go to the Return of the King because I, I don't want to waste my time again. And I was like. Uh, I know, okay, Return of the King is considered the best Lord of the Rings amongst the masses. And I just I just don't have the energy to just sit through Return of the King again because I felt like I wasted so much time with Two Towers. And then a couple years passed, and you finally convinced me to sit down. and Or you and Camden finally consen- convinced me to sit down. And um, Camden brought over the physical copies of the extended editions and we sat and watched uh, Fellowship of the Ring extended and Two Towers extended um, didn't have time of course for the Return of the King but I th- I've 
as much as I enjoyed uh, Fellowship of the Ring on TV, I truly enjoyed the extended edition of the Fellow Fellowship because how it expanded more of like the background of the Hobbits and you know who they are and it I it fleshed out the world a little bit more and I truly right. enjoyed that. And then of course going through Two Towers didn't expand upon much of it, but I was like, okay, I am determined to get through this trilogy no matter how sick I feel about watching Two Towers again. And then, of course, weren't able to watch Return of the King right there, um, extended, and I was like, okay, well, hopefully I can like find it somewhere. Didn't find it streaming, of course, and I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to buy all the extended editions on Amazon. It's on sale. Might as well. And I finally watched Extended Return of the King, and I, I really enjoyed it. I didn't feel like I was wasting my time. It was paced out very well. The story is very good. I can't necessarily recall like a specific moment because I watched Fellowship and Two Towers so much, so I can you know I can recall to those more. Right. But I didn't feel like I was wasting my time like I was in Two Towers. If I was younger, I I wouldn't like what is the, I don't what's going on. Harry Potter is like this whimsical, you know. Oh, they're doing this, they're doing this, and then it gets darker and stuff. It didn't have, like, heavy exposition like Lord of the Rings did. So that's why I'm glad getting older and understanding it more. Because as a kid, I, it would have just gone right over my head. And I would be like, ah, it's right. boring. I completely understand why Lord of the Rings trilogy is so well-received and well-appreciated. Just every time I have to sit through Two Towers, I just, I just, Scott, I just, I hate it. I, I just, <laughs> it's, it's rough. But because I know how good Return of the King is, finally, I will power through it. Yeah. Return of the King is just a fantastic film, and I'm I'm glad that you kind of agree with it. But, I mean, like, it is one of those things where I completely I completely agree with the, with the major consensus that it is, you know, the best movie out of all of them. But it's just because it has it has so much plot and and it's just the culmination of everything that you've you've seen before. And there's just so much emotion so many good tie-ups and just so many memorable cinematic like bits in it that have just made history, you know? Yeah. Like and like visually it it aged it aged very well. Like this like CGI in 2001, 2002, 2003, whatever, you know, whenever they Yeah, released. right. Like it like, it, it looks amazing. better than the fucking MCU projects that are being released today, you know? It's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. The armies of orcs and all that sort of stuff. Oh, it's like oh, they are able to... Another um, little backstory. Before I actually watched the Lord of the Rings movies, one of my friends invited me to go watch uh, The Hobbit Battle of the Five Armies. And I was, oh, I was like... I mean, I enjoyed the fighting sequences, but I had no idea what the fuck was going on. <laughs> so, the Battle of the Five Armies was... Yeah, and then, of course, the... afterwards, I still haven't even seen the Hobbit movies all the way through, except for Battle of the Five Armies when it was in theaters, just because a friend invited me. I was like, sure, why not? I can just go hang out with a friend. Eventually, I will go through the Hobbit series, but that was like my first like true exposure, was going to watch that in theaters and being like, right, I don't know right. what's going on, but the fight sequences are fucking cool. <laughs> Battle of the Five Armies of all things. Yeah, I know. Just on a whim. Hey, you want to go? Sure, let's go. So yeah, my number two is a film that I watched freshman year of college because they offered like a basically like a free movie 
streaming thing. It wasn't like a specific yeah. service. You know yep. what I'm talking about. I know about. what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, we watched some good films on there. Yeah. And that's how I watched the, the first, uh, the Pitch Perfect movies, which fucking hilarious. Pitch it's... Perfect? Yes. Yes. You're putting Pitch Perfect no, 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 in no, your no, top... no, 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 it's no, no, oh, I'm just, I'm okay. Okay. This the Pitch Perfect was just on the same, you know, site. And I, I really enjoy those films. I, but anyway, sidebar, I remember seeing this trailer on TV back when I actually used to watch TV back in 2013, 2014. I was, of course, too young to go actually watch it, but I remember seeing it and being fond of jazz music, and okay, that's cool. There's there's the dude from Spider-Man, J.K. Simmons. He's, he's funny, <laughs> and he, he's, you know, he's a very good actor. And so I finally sat down and watched it, and was like, holy shit, that was an experience. And the movie I'm talking about is 2014's Whiplash. Whiplash. Yes. Wow. And isn't that isn't that the I, I I don't want to be wrong here, but go go ahead. What is it about? It's it's about this this young jazz drummer basically. Yep. 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 And I've never seen that, but I know about that. Oh not my, my tempo. God, it's yeah, not my tempo. It's it's so well acted, so well directed. And you just you f- you feel like you're a fly on the wall just seeing all of this happen, and you you yourself feel just tense at these moments that J.K. Simmons and um, Miles Taylor, who plays the main character, just Simmons mentoring him, and just it's it's just such a tense, but such a very well acted, well shot, well written story it's just I'm trying not to spoil it because it's just so many moments yeah, I actually do film. have some interest in watching that I mean I've 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 seen I've seen a lot of clips from it and it looks really really good Ugh, it's it's so worth it just J.K. Simmons as an actor everything he has ever done that I've watched him in he he immediately just character just all of his, he's not like typecast in anything because a lot of his characters are just completely different, you know. And yep, in Spider Man, he's fucking crazy ass, <laughs> um, J. Jonah Jameson, <laughs> and the TV show Oz, he's like just this very racist skinhead, um, in prison, and in Whiplash, he's just this ruthless music mentor who wants, in his eyes, the best for his students. But he doesn't realize the how harsh and how borderline torturous his ways are and his mentality. So yeah, I I highly recommend you go watch it. It's it's very hard not to put this in my top number one film. It's it's so worth it. I I can't say like I'm I I keep repeating myself because I'm. I'm speechless at this movie. That's how I felt after I finished it. I was like, "Wow, <laughs> just, just wow." Yeah, it's it's actually been on my uh, it's been on my list for a while. I just I'm not I'm not seeing it pop up anywhere on any of the things that I normally watch stuff on. Yeah, I don't. think And it's... so it's just it just kind of faded from my memory. But yeah, I mean, after you saying that, I might actually try to give it a give it a watch here shortly. Because yeah, I mean, so. I've seen I've seen some snips of it, you know, and it's just the energy and and everything. 
is just fantastic. And if you love jazz, you'll. I mean, that's another part that you'll enjoy. Yeah, well, it's just more I, depth. I, I like jazz. I, I love jazz too. <laughs> so, you like jazz. I like. I love jazz. But yeah, <laughs> that's that's my number two. Whiplash, so worth it. Go watch it if you haven't watched it. It's amazing. So here we are, final number one. Indeed. Oh boy. Now this is probably going to be something that you're going to expect as well, but. For number one, I mean, we're doing movies here. I think TV shows, I I was going to ask, honestly, if we could include TV shows, because I feel like if we could, then this list would be completely different. But in terms of films, there's really one that, that, that it has to be my number one just because of how, I guess it's really changed my perspective on how I watch movies. I, this this is one that really contributes to my character a lot, just in terms of like how I see media as a whole, how I view like character archetypes and soundtracks and etc. And you're gonna be really surprised that I just set that part for this. But number one, The Big Lebowski. <laughs> there the is just something. There is just something so special about that movie that I just I can't forget it. It is an amazing movie. Every single part of the film is funny as fuck. <laughs> Jeff Bridges plays the dude like nothing else and that is like his role. Yep. And it's just the movie is so stupid and pointless that like I, I, just, I just want you to understand this, okay? Like, I showed it to Evelyn after, you know, watching the movie, like, I think two times or something. And uh, and I showed it to Evelyn saying, like, this movie is really funny. It's, it's very pointless, but you're going to like it probably, right? And she hated it. <laughs> she hated it in, in, like, the very end because she's like, what was the whole point of the film? Because, like, I, I, don't, I don't really know if you've watched it, have you? Yeah, it's been a minute. Okay, so. yeah, it's like literally nothing in the movie gets resolved, right? Yeah. Like the dude is the dude. The, as a matter of fact, it's like the only thing that really ends up happening is fucking Donnie dies. Yep. Yep. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, like nothing else really changes for the dude. It's just it's pointless. You know, <laughs> the whole thing is just like he's along for the ride and people are just like trying to make him do all this shit or whatever and he's just kind of cruising along you know like he was literally just a dude who was at a fucking bowling alley for almost like all of his time and and that was it right it's so stupid it's so pointless it's so silly but the way that they do it all it's just it's priceless it's so memorable you know now every time that I hear Bob Dylan's "The Man in Me," like all I can think of is that fucking movie. <laughs> it 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 really is one of those things where it's like, I think it teaches you how to appreciate like a director's vision, mm-hmm. right? Because could you imagine trying to pitch that to anybody? Yeah, no. That's... So so what's the overarching message of the movie? Oh, we don't have one. Nope. It's pointless. Oh. Uh, okay. So why do you want to make it? I don't know. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that that it, is, that's the Cohen brothers mentality for all of it. It really is. It's like 
throw as much random shit in there and unsuspecting stuff that will either make you uncomfortable or will just make you laugh, you know, or make you laugh uncomfortably. That that's one thing I can't appreciate about the Coen Brothers is that each of their movies are completely different from all their yeah, other ones. But they but they all have like a vibe to it that you can get because it's like just you know it's a Coen Brothers film. Yeah. But yeah, each one it feels independent from it from itself and uh, and it's unique. And that's kind of why I like it because I I've I really enjoyed the Big Lebowski, but something like. Um, uh, what was it? Burn after reading. Oh my god! I didn't. God. I, I didn't like it. I didn't. You know. I told you that. Wait, what? Didn't, you didn't like it? I didn't like it. I thought it was just a bunch, a compilation of just stupid <laughs> gags and just weird ass characters. I didn't like it. But then, Burn after oh brother, where art thou? I've part. thoroughly enjoyed. I enjoyed going. Everybody loves that. Yeah, movie. I enjoyed following these three brothers just bumbling around. You know, just coming upon <laughs> like just random ass stuff, burning down barns. I'm a dipper dead man, goddammit. <laughs> Just, yeah. I, that's, but that I can truly appreciate the Coen brothers in that sense, even if I don't like all of their movies. Yeah, I'm. There's a few. There's a few movies that I've seen of theirs that didn't really, you know, resonate with me. But it's like, you know, for the ones that that do, they're just they're fantastic, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and yeah, The Big Lebowski is just one of those movies where it's like. I, it really opened up my eyes. It really allowed me to to see like into the eyes of the director or whatever, and just kind of like have an appreciation for the uh, the artistic nature of of films. Even though like it's something so stupid and so pointless, it's like I enjoyed the journey, you know. And that's kind of what it's about. No. And it was memorable. Really, I'm, I didn't go to fucking Vietnam for this shit, you know, for my fucking brother. And he's like, dude, you didn't even go to Vietnam. <laughs> I, love, I love John Goodman. He's his character just single-handedly. He, Shut the fuck up, John. You could just make a fucking movie about him and just yeah, exactly. It's like every every bit of that. It was just God. That movie was so fucking good. I really need to rewatch it again. Cause I, I that was another movie I watched on TV back when I watched TV, but yeah, right. Yeah, I, I, Big Lebowski. I can, I genuinely at the end where Donnie dies, like I, I felt sad. I was like, damn. I did too. I was like, why? I did, yeah. Of I was, all people, he was like the most pure and innocent and shit, exactly. and he just fucking dies. <laughs> I was but per- it was so stupid and funny too, yeah. you know. I was pretty close to shedding a tear, like when he died. I was like, "Damn, I really, I really liked him." It was like it was just so random and out yeah. of nowhere. Like, did Donnie really deserve that? And the worst part is, is like they go to spread his ashes and stuff, and he's and he like go like John Goodman goes on a fucking tangent about like <laughs> Vietnam and shit. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you see, like that shit is so fucking funny and pointless that that's what it was. That's why it was good. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. you just don't need like a reason. Yeah, exactly. And, and and that one that film just really it just changed my perspective on movies. So yeah. But yeah, I mean I loved it when I watched it. I like it even more now. And uh yeah, you don't you don't fuck with the Jesus. <laughs> um, so my number one. This movie okay, I think I watched it like when I first got like streaming services. I had no no prior knowledge of it. I just I read the description. I think it was on Netflix. It was either Netflix or yeah, it was Netflix. 
I read the description. I'm like, hmm, this sounds interesting. I it the thing that got me was that it was filmed over short periods of time from 2002 to 2013. Huh. And it's called Boyhood. Ah, I actually just watched that recently. Yes. Oh my god, it is just just the that feat alone of filming that movie over 10 yeah, they, years. They got they got to watch that little man keeping grow up. the same actors. Just you are just watching a kid just go through life basically and him dealing with his situation of his parents' divorce, you know, seeing his dad every once in a while and then living with his stepfather being verbally abusive to his mother. Right. And yeah. just it is probably the most emotional film I've ever watched just mm-hmm. because I can relate to some of the things the character is going through. And I felt like I was growing up with the kid and just, I, I put myself in his shoes. Yeah, man, I just I completely get that, that, that movie, that movie was really unique to watch. And, and honestly, like, I, I remember hearing about it at first and I was a little bit skeptical because I'm like, Oh, maybe this is just going to be one of those films where it's like, they have an idea, they bank on it, but it doesn't really end up being that good, but it's still like a notable feat because they did something that was unique, you know, like following this kid for most of his life or whatever and having him, you know, film these parts of the story. But, but no, I mean, that film actually had a really good plot to it. And even the ending was pretty satisfying. It was, it was good. Yeah, It was really good. But, but for your number one, that's an interesting take. It is one movie that has just made me feel the most understood in a sense because they really did capture what it was like living under the house of divorced parents and trying to go through life, just really going through life growing up as a kid. Like, Yep, all the way up until, you know, you get to that point in college where you're basically making the decisions for yourself, but like, you know it was it was rough to watch i i definitely at the end there even even when it got to the end it's like you know it's not all happy and stuff like that it's more like you know you know he's he's taking the next big step of his life but mom was upset and everything like that about you know him growing up she felt like she was a shitty mom and everything yeah yeah that stuff's rough to watch it was it was pretty fucking heartbreaking i definitely did not expect it to be as good as it was but but yeah man it well acted, well written, just everything about it. I, I, it's perfect in my eyes, genuinely. I haven't watched it since then, and I probably will because I, I watched it in, like I said, I, I probably when I first got streaming services, so around 2017, around right. that, because I, I stopped watching TV and just, I enjoy going into films kind of blind usually. I do too. I um, do too. And this was one that I didn't regret at all. Um, and that's I've kind of after watching that, I kind of set a precedent for myself of kind of go, just going into movies as blind as I can, unless of course it's part of a series. But yep, I don't think I one could of the films ever that watch I, another uh... movie that made me feel the way I felt after watching that. Really. Yeah, that's that's impressive. You know, I've uh, I've not had many films as of late or anything, or even ones that I can remember really, where I've felt that way in particular, where um, you know, I've I've had like this strong emotional connection to them or anything because they resonated with me. But 
I I completely understand where you're coming from because I know you as, as a friend and everything, and and I can understand exactly like how you feel. But I never I never thought that that movie was really that well known, honestly. Yeah, I know. I thought I... it was one of those. I I thought it was one of those small things that um that I just saw and happened to know, like a lot of Wes Anderson films, honestly. <laughs> yeah, true. Kind of kind of like in that niche little pocket if you understand what I'm trying to say. But yeah, yeah that's. Uh, that's that's really interesting uh, kind of as as your friend that's kind of insightful yeah you know if you truly know me like okay harry potter fan star wars fan his, his number one movie is probably just going to be something stupid something fun you know but like i get a kick out of here's a little tangent i guess i get a kick out of narrative emotional video games like life is strange because i consider that mm-hmm. one of my favorite favorite video game of all time just because of the emotional journey it takes you through and you feel connected to the character and you some you usually project yourself onto that character and boyhood did that so well for me because i could relate so much to it you know it it's just i i will always consider it a perfect film no matter what and criticizing it in any form i don't think i could do yeah i i understand man that's really interesting, honestly. I never, I never would have guessed that from you. No, really. Lo- I mean, mainly because you, you know, it it is lesser known, but it still has enough of a like. Oh, this is just like. Well, I feel like one of those films where it's like once you've seen it and and like you, it's kind of like uh you know like nineteen seventeen right where it's not necessarily you know the masses that saw the film that that you know really you remember it for it's more or less like an element of it so like for example 1917 was like uh you know it was one shot the entire way through right yeah that that's that was the the main thing about the movie that made it unique whereas you know boyhood was one of those films where it it was talked about very lightly because of you know How it was long? following the kid for yeah. that long you know and actually had like the same actor the whole way through and it's like i don't know i figured that if you had watched that then you might have talked about it so that's why i'm just kind of like surprised because i just i didn't i didn't know that it was that popular you know but yeah i mean you know with you saying it i can't say that i'm I, i can't say that i'm not surprised but i can't really say i'm surprised either because that that was a fucking fantastic film and i totally get where you're coming from yeah you know i don't know anybody else aside from you now who has actually watched that movie really yeah genuinely yeah a lot of people uh, say, it was oh, actually Evelyn who it. wanted me to watch it yeah so 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 you technically you know two other people who have okay yeah true <laughs> um but every time i bring it up like elsewhere like in and because i'm in like a, a movie discord that we talk about movies and all that stuff mm-hmm. and every time i mention it like people are like oh i haven't seen it yet oh it's on my watch list you know but nobody's actually seen it exactly yeah that's interesting um and that's why i retroactively put this as my number one film of all time and right. unlike the other it's one. it's nice to it's nice to have those movies where like you 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 really really feel for it and you vouch for it because you know it just didn't get the love that it deserved exactly i've had a few instances of that myself honestly but but then again i started to conform to the masses for a lot of my picks <laughs> yeah you know there's just so many, so many meaningful things to me, you know, just as a whole, that there's no way I couldn't, I couldn't let them down. 
not have them make their way onto this list. But man, notice for me though, like I didn't put Star Wars on my list at all. Yeah. I bet you were expecting that. I I kind of was to be honest with you, <laughs> but I knew for a fact <laughs> you were gonna put Lord of the Rings. I mean, oh yeah, I mean Lord of the Rings is one of those ones. It's like I'd be lying to myself if it wasn't one of the top. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, for me, I actually um, and this is just kind of like I I guess you can say that this is bonus from the list or whatever, and and um, you know, maybe maybe honorable this is like mention. bonus. Con- yeah, yeah, honorable mention, except not really. Like the Star Wars films don't really rank that high to me they're memorable for sure but do they mean a lot to me in that sort of sense like they as a kid yes and growing up now yeah but as i am like as an adult like right now and looking back on it and looking like what's contributed to like my overall entertainment with the series it's not the films rogue one was really damn good yeah uh the original trilogy was uh, it's it's a classic. I won't say that it's my favorite because, in all honesty, it's not. Like I I didn't grow up in the time to appreciate it. I grew up with the prequels, so I was a different kind of Star Wars fan, you know. Yeah. And the prequels were unique, but they were shit, you know. Yeah. And then of um, course, when the sequels came out, everybody like, oh, the prequels are amazing. The prequels are amazing. Yeah, but but fuck, man, those sequels are terrible. I'm sorry. Everybody everybody agrees with me, though. I think I think I think that it's actually there is a like a majority of the Star Wars fans now. Even the kids don't like the sequels. Yeah. So that's cool. I'm I'm happy with that. At least we can we can all hate on the sequels together. Yep. You know, See that's the, that's the why... one part of the Star Wars fan base can kinda of come together. Well that's why I want to find somebody who truly enjoys the sequels and try right? to understand like Well that's the thing is I really enjoyed the first film. I really did. I thought that the first film was relatively a a a like a weak film. Not, is it a weak film or is it a weak Star Wars film? I'm it's, not sure. Maybe maybe yeah, okay. It's a weak film with enough uniqueness in it to set up a good plot for the rest of the movies, okay? And yeah. that's where it fell apart because you know that that didn't happen. Yeah. Right? It had so many cool, interesting bits that they could have, like, actually expanded upon in more meaningful ways. Like, for example, like, the mystery behind why Luke, like, just up and disappeared. It could have been more thought out than what it was in The Last Jedi. It could have been more well-written and everything like that. And what was really disappointing is, like... I liked the idea of the Knights of Ren and Kylo Ren contributing more uh, to the story than what they did, really, because Kylo Ren was a really good villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In in all honesty, he just wanted to he just wanted to impress people. You know, that was that was his whole character. He was being told what to do, and he was being manipulated the entire time to the point where he's like, I just want to like impress the one person who's given me power in my life and made me feel like somebody different except not really at the same time you know i thought that his character was really really well done i also thought that finn was a really unique and interesting character and i thought that ray being a fucking nobody was also really really interesting and i thought that poe was poe was okay he was all right 
Yeah. He was charismatic, and he reminded me of Han Solo. That's, Except, yeah. you know, Han Solo was in the film, and he just looked dead the entire time and behaved <laughs> like it. And then guess what? He died. Well, that's so, that's that's Harrison Ford for you. Yep. Harrison, you know, I actually had somebody tell me the other day, it was like, and I didn't really realize it until, like, they said it, but it's like, does Harrison Ford actually play characters, or does he just play Harrison Ford in the film season? <laughs> True. <laughs> you know? I mean, he, he he never changes the way he acts. You know. Yeah, I mean that's that's very true. Yeah, I just, just different characteristics for his characters. I mean, li- literally, just if you watch the Empire of Dreams documentary, Harrison Ford literally just like, okay, I'll do this for you. It's like almost like a favor for George Lucas. Yeah, I know. So I, I I know exactly what you're talking about, and and I think that that's funny. But but I mean going going back to like what you said, it's like you know man, like I really wish I could stick up for the for the sequels, but they aren't good films to me. No, they 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 had so much potential and they could have been enjoyable, but they just they they squandered that potential for. I, I don't I don't know. Like I feel like you could appreciate the Last Jedi in some ways. They didn't leave any room for the third movie. It That's was like, wasn't Ryan, Ryan Johnson, Johnson directing Ryan Johnson. the second film? Yep, and he yeah, is known. Like... He is known for one-off films. He is known for one-off films with a twist. Looper is one of them. Looper is really fucking good. Yeah, though, it's a, it's so a don't... really. I haven't finished it, but it's a really good concept. It's a really good movie. You it, don't it's a, put it, a director it has a like very that. Satisfying end. You don't put a director who is known for one-off films like M Night Shyamalan in the middle of a trilogy. That doesn't. <laughs> that doesn't work. Right? They were just trying to to follow up on the success of the original trilogy because you know that that's what happened for Empire Strikes Back, right? Yeah, yeah. Something they changed they changed the director for that film. Um, but George Lucas still had a vision. Based, yeah, exactly. And uh, and and that was the thing is I don't think that I don't think that there was enough communication. I I really. I don't know what went wrong, why it went wrong, or whatever, but it, I can just, just they literally tell you. had no like, plan. They're like, "Hey, it, it's just the just, films feel so disconnected from each other that you can tell that there was never a plan." It's like they made the first film, and I feel like I feel like JJ was like, "Okay, guys, we're gonna follow, and we're gonna make this whole new universe, you know, with like, you know, the the imperial." Uh, the the new fucking order or whatever it's called yeah the first order be even more Nazi like than than the original trilogy was yep. and uh, and we're gonna make this story kind of like uh, a new hope and then we're gonna set the grounds for the director for the next films to to kind of have fun with this you know yeah we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna give them something that's familiar which is basically just a new hope but with some you know unique elements to it and that's what the first that's what the force awakens was right mm-hmm. it was a new hope with unique bits in it to continue the other movies right yeah enough mystery for you to wonder like oh what's going to happen next you know um and all this other sort of shit and it's just it just gets squashed it's shit no. it's terrible it's like the Last Jedi was just so meaningless to me because, like, the story that you cared about wasn't really being focused on, and and when it was, it was going in all these different directions that you just would not want nor expect, you know, at least from the character that you know is there. And I tried, I tried giving it a pass, you know, especially with like Luke's character, um, because you know, I I get it, you know, you wanna you wanna make it seem like. You know, Luke cracked under, like, all of that pressure. Like, dude literally, like, 
Dude's father was like the fucking evilest Sith in the entire galaxy for like the longest period of time. Yep. And uh and turned him to the light side before, you know, he fucking died. And like Luke has to carry the weight on his shoulders knowing that like he's a Skywalker and his father was Vader, you know. Yeah. And and all this other sort of shit. And like, you know, I kind of get you know, maybe he, like, in his moment of weakness, he wanted to kill Kylo because he just, he saw the bad in him or whatever. And I, I'm honestly still kind of okay with it, but it's just, like, there was more that Luke could have been like after that fact, you know? And I really wish that they would have touched up on the story that was leading up more to that rather than just, you know, like, I saw bad in him, so I had to put him down, <laughs> yeah. at least in that thought, like, what bad? Why? Yeah. How did he start talking to Snoke? Like, they could have expanded more on that, even though that there's naturally just, like, a mystery element to it. Like, I mean, you think back to the original trilogy, nobody knew who Palpatine was, they just knew he was there, right? Yeah. <laughs> they knew he was Vader's master. He had no backstory other than he was the Emperor, right? You kind of have to allow for some things to be unanswered, but it's just, it wasn't a satisfying plot. It wasn't It wasn't unique. And so, like, as a fan now, the sequels suck. They're just not well written. They're not well done at all. Um, even the music is kind of, like, not really that great, in my opinion. I don't remember, like, many bits of it that I was actually interested in, except for the first film. Yeah. Um, the only reason then... I like Rise of Skywalker is because it's, like, a big F you to Last Jedi. <laughs> Well, that was the thing, is it's like, I would have appreciated it if they just acknowledged The Last Jedi and, like, made something out of it, rather than just be like, hey, this is fan service the movie, let's just reference everything that's happened in, like, the past, and just, you know, that that's basically what the film was like. It was like, hey, do you remember that one time that this one character was in this one part of the story at that one point in time? <laughs> yeah, me too. Okay, let's jump to the next bit where we do the same thing again. Oh, and then convenient, uh, convenient like plot device and like over dramatic acting and shit like that. Like, yeah, dude, like I, I, I just could not. But look, out of all of the bad and boring and dated stuff of Star Wars, the best part about it now, and I mean that this is why, like, for my birthday, you know, I ended up asking for, for, for that one gift from Evelyn and she delivered. But um. Mandalorian, the the fucking TV show. It's like if I was to, if we were to have included TV shows at our top, I would actually say that that is the top for me, mm. in terms of like how influential it is and like what kind of emotions go through like my head and, and like my body and everything as I watch that. It's like not only did I feel like a kid again. But I felt like it was a natural successor to the universe that we grew up and like knew rather than something like the sequels or the prequels, you know? Yeah. It felt like it did George Lucas's vision justice with well-written characters, great dialogue, enough mystery for you to be interested in it, a great soundtrack, and just everything. Yeah. You know? I, I fucking loved it. It is fantastic, and it reignited my love for Star Wars, hmm. you know? Yeah. Now, you could say Rogue One, but, man, it's like Mandalorian just does it better for me. Well, yeah, I mean... Rogue... And it's not just because he looks cool or anything, but it's like, <laughs> dude, it, it 
it's fucking great. It's well written. It looks amazing. It's refreshing it has all too. The, yeah, and it has all of the nice stuff from the original trilogy that you would like. I mean, we we could we could go on and on about TV shows and the ex- expand because oh, yeah, sure. I I do want to do what we need to do next. Yeah, I do like after I do the prequels and then the sequels, I do want to do the Star Wars expanded universe and oh. talk about that because that that's oh, a yes. whole episode on its own. But yeah, you know. But, we're but already going of... on two hours. So. <laughs> right, right. So, so let's wrap up then, yeah. because uh, we have definitely discussed our our movies and then some extra stuff. So, yeah. Um. So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. If you made it this far, I know it's a very long episode, but I, I think it's worth it. I genuinely. Once again, I said it in the last episode. I'll say it in this one. Life has been kicking me in the ass and schedules aren't lining up so I will put out an episode when I can and when I have time so don't expect anything you know consistent as of right now just because how things are once again thank you guys for listening go follow the social medias Twitter Instagram yeah be sure to be sure to like and comment and shit too you know because uh, because he is interactive with uh, with with just about everything yeah. and he does care about this I so. I tr- I really do. I just wish I had more consistent time to do it. Yeah, and it's like you know, I I really appreciate the fact that you're just about willing to talk about anything as well. So, like you know, for for people who are listening as well, like if if you have any ideas or anything like that, or or you just want to talk about something, then then float some shit down this dude's way because uh, this is something that he cares about. And and if you if you like watching and listening, then then uh you know do your part, contribute. But anyways, yeah, it was it was nice to be on here, and I'm glad that we had this talk. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully we get another chance here shortly. Of course, of course, anytime, man, anytime. So like I said, go follow the socials on Instagram at official opinionated, and on Twitter it is opinionated cast at opinionated cast. So yeah, just just shoot me a message, or if you know me personally, I'd go ahead and DM me on my personal account. I don't care. Uh, just as long as you're spreading the word of this glorious podcast and episodes out whenever I can. <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you in the next episode.